welcome to the Nerd Party. Welcome back to Throwback Paperback. I'm one of your hosts, Asia Bonilla. And I'm the other host, Charles Sheeland. And today we're starting the book They Whisper, which is the sequel to They Stay by Claire Fraze. And we read the first half of the book for this episode. And for anyone who is new to the show, we're a podcast on the Nerd Party Network. We're best friends and we read and reread young adult books from our adolescence and share them with each other. And Claire's publisher reached out to us and sent us a copy of this series, but we are not receiving additional financial compensation for reading it. And since both of these were new to us, and I did the last batch of summaries, Asia's gonna summarize the readings for us. So, before we dive into the plot summary, I'm gonna go ahead and give us our content warning for this book. We've talked about this in the last two episodes, how these books have a content warning on the back of the book. And we noted in our last episode how we felt like some things were kind of left out, but there's actually a more in-depth content warning on the copyright page of the book. So I'm going to read that one today because it just goes a little bit more in-depth of what you want to make sure the triggers are. So with that, this book contains violence, kidnapping, drug addiction, PTSD, alcoholism, mental abuse, guns, and mild adult language. But we won't be using any adult language on this show. We are family friendly. But as always, if these aren't safe topics for you, maybe consider refraining from listening to this episode. And as we mentioned, probably skipping the whole series. But with that, we'll dive into our summary of the plot for this week. So our four friends are dealing with the trauma of the events of the last book, not least of which is that Miles is dead. And Francesca is able to stuff his soul back into his body, but it doesn't really work properly because we eventually discover that his body is actually rejecting his soul, so he only has a few weeks left to live. And Leonard, it turns out, is jumping from body to body by killing his victims, and he is looking for a hole to like the next dimension, basically, to bring back the girl he killed all those years ago when he originally died. And then, of course, we just get some normal teen drama throughout. As far as my impression of the reading, there's just a lot going on in this story. I feel like that is going to be the theme of this episode. There's just a lot. And I'm still enjoying it for sure, but I'm just curious to see where this is going to go. And I'm enjoying to learn more about like the world building of like what are the limits of Leonard's powers what are the limits of Francesca's powers but overall I'm still enjoying it but as we said in the last episode it's just really dark yeah I would say that was my impression too is that more than anything it just feels like there's a lot of elements to this book I feel like that's also like you said that's going to be a big theme for this episode is like all the different elements that are just like there's just a lot going on so um yeah we'll just basically see how that i honestly feel like this could have been two separate series like we have the like kidnapping and abuse side of the story but then we also have like the ghosts and the being able to move spirits like there's just like two worlds colliding which is interesting but it can be a bit much at times That's kind of how I feel. I think we kind of touched on that earlier in earlier episodes, and I think we'll probably talk on it again, that it starts leading us in one direction of, like, there's this kidnapping and family abuse at home and Shiloh having to deal with taking care of her brother. And then now we've kind of transitioned, and at the end of the last book, we kind of transitioned to a little more mystery and, like, fantasy of the, like, ghosts and kidnapping ghosts by side and now we're like more in that direction which isn't necessarily bad but it feels like we still have all the baggage of the other things and maybe that is kind of where because as we mentioned claire phrase is like our age she's quite young not to say that she's too young to be writing i think it's incredible that she's publishing books already at her age that's fantastic but i think maybe it kind of portrays a little bit of I don't want to say immaturity but it feels like we've got 
a lot of things in a book and it feels like almost every, like <laughs> she kind of threw a lot of things, like all of her ideas into one book, which again, not bad. The characters feel really fleshed out. Like they're, you know, they're really vivid, but it almost makes it hard to like fo- know what to focus on and know what to look for thematically or just like plot wise, because there's so many elements, but maybe that's me being too harsh. Um, but we can talk about that maybe when we get closer to the end of the series. Uh, yeah. So let's dive in. Shiloh definitely has PTSD. <laughs> it's funny. I actually wrote it as she has a vision of a nurse trying to kill her. Um, then we find out that's actually not a vision at all, but it, it did actually happen. But she's definitely having nightmares and she is absolutely traumatized by the last book, which, I mean, is perfectly understandable. It's totally reasonable for her to be dealing with that after what she went through. Yes, and then we kind of get clarity of what actually happened at the end of the last book. So Leonard did steal Miles' body, which I know we had said we were going to be disappointed if that's what happened, but that is what happened. It made sense. And then he actually kills Miles' body so that he can jump into a new body, which must have been the nurse who tried to kill Shiloh. So it wasn't a vision. It was an actual nurse who was trying to kill her, which Charles wrote this part, which I didn't pick up on this or think this, but he wrote that this meant that Leonard can be in a body with someone else. Like he can control them, basically, you know, skin jack someone if, you know, you listen to our series on the Skin Jacker trilogy, basically, he possesses somebody, he can fully take control of their body, and he can only leave the body once that body has died. Which, I was going to ask you, this was just your theory, or was this confirmed somewhere else? Or that was I thought that's what they kind of said in the book, that he does that. Like, unless he forces someone their soul out of their body. I guess we don't necessarily know. So I don't remember this specifically. I mean, I read the book. We said we only have one copy of the book, so I read it first. So I don't remember them specifically saying that. I honestly didn't think about it that much. And this made Charles making this note made me think because that might not necessarily be the case because realistically he could have, if he was in Miles's body, he could have killed the nurse first and then jumped into the nurse's body and killed Miles. But that would be, like, more complicated as far as, like, how does he jump to a new host? Like, does he have to kill the person? Also, we know that he killed Miles by stuffing cotton balls down his throat. So that means, like, that makes it seem like he killed him. Like, he he committed suicide in that body. And I'm just saying that my... Yes, Sounds like a horrible way to take your way, tell, take yourself out. Well, he's not thinking that he's going to have to deal with it. He's just trying to shut down the body as, like, inconspicuously as possible, you know? I guess. I don't know. I just thought that was interesting that you said that because that is not at all, like, I hadn't thought about it, like, in the sense of if he's doing that, he's essentially could be jumping into the body with someone's soul already in it because it's not something, like, we talked about or was discussed at all in the first book. So I, think I that's, guess we didn't really get confirmation of either one. But well, yeah, so I think that that'll be really interesting if we do get that confirmed, especially as Francesca's powers, like, evolve. If, like, does she have the same powers as him, essentially? Because at this point, it seems like Leonard is basically just, like, a floating spirit. So, like, again, where I keep referencing the Skinjacker trilogies, he is a ghost, and he just has the power to, like possess people and therefore it's just sort of unclear but like yeah if he can't if he can't be in a body at the same time as someone else like i the reason i thought they said it like that was like the next nurse like after the nurse that he he goes into one nurse and then that nurse hangs himself which makes me think that he was in that body like obviously we know he was in that body but he couldn't have killed that like I guess he could have killed. Well, that's what I was saying. It could have been taking control of the body and then killed that body again. Well, yeah, that's why I'm saying. So, like, whether which, yeah. So I was thinking of the idea of he can only inhabit like dead bodies, an empty body. Does that make sense? Whereas, like, that's where it's like, yeah, it could be either way. One, he can either possess, and he's because then, like you said, if he can possess while someone's in there, it's either is that soul still inside with you, or is it he physically pushes their soul out. 
therefore like kind of killing them but like not killing their body like i don't know it's just very interesting that like we came to two different conclusions and i really hope that we get answers on that because i think that that's important i also one of the reasons i thought that was that like it seemed like miles was like when miles in the last book when they get him like after he's shot and they're like taking him to the ambulance that means that like miles is if he can't cohabitate with another soul that means that when they were doing that transporting him to the hospital that was already leonard in there and miles's ghost was already just floating like miles had died leonard's ghost like slipped in there really quickly like like unless because he was like he had a pulse like back at when they called the well, ambulance but in the remember forest. so they get miles does miles go in the ambulance they go in the ambulance after they've already killed Leonard. Like, Leonard could have waited to go into the body until after. I don't know. I just, I think that's interesting, and I just really hope that she put that into the series because I think that's an interesting concept of, like, will we discover, like, the, like, logistics of it because I feel like it does make a difference because also my main thing is it makes a difference of, is to me, if he can jump into anyone's body, like, at any time, essentially, like, he just has to kill his host... So if we're taking this idea, once he kills his host, he's a floating spirit, he can jump in anyone, he could essentially jump into Shiloh, or jump into one of our main characters, jump into Francesca, like, that is what I'm curious about, because to me, that gives him way more power, versus if he can only jump into dead bodies, like, that limits him. Yeah. And I think it's important for powers to have limits, otherwise you lose kind of, like, the the intriguing part of it, because it's like, oh, well, he can just do anything, like, he's unstoppable. I mean, already, I feel like... Even if we don't know. Yes. I, I I guess, like you said, it's intriguing that we both came to opposite conclusions. Um, so, I, yeah. I, I agree. We need to, we definitely want some clarity on that. I mean, I already think he's, like, kind of unstoppable because he can basically just kill people and take their bodies and, like... Well, yeah, which I guess that's why, for me, I was looking towards the conclusion of, like, trying to limit his power that, like, oh, well, he probably can't possess people if they're in their body. Because to me, like, that just seems like too much power for one person. Well. With also, it seems like no, like, he doesn't lose anything from it. Like, something we're going to talk about in the, a little bit about versus Francesca, who she possibly is losing something as she's using her powers. Yeah, well, we'll have to see. So, then... So, yeah, because we're basically, and it's kind of all, I think, also because the timeline is a little ambiguous. Like, Francesca sees Miles' ghost, and so we know that at this point, like, Miles is out of his body. And they get back to the hospital, Miles' body is empty. And so they go into the morgue, and Francesca is able to put Miles' ghost back into Miles' body to save Miles, and at first it does kind of seem like she was successful, like that she was able to shove his spirit back into his body and that that is working. Yes, which of course led me to the natural question of, you know, again, where are the limits to her power? Because in the last book, she was able to put back this woman who had basically just died. So seconds, minutes after dying, she pushed her body back in, whereas now... Miles's body has been left uninhabited for hours, which I think they end up saying, mentioning later, it was like about four hours that his body had been like dead with no soul. So not just like Miles' soul gone, but like Leonard's soul. And she's able to push the soul back in. And it's just like, there's also, we don't, we're not going to really talk about it, but there was another ghost in the hospital that like helps Francesca be able to get down to the morgue to see Miles's body. And like, of course, her first immediate reaction when she sees that she puts miles back into his body she's like do it to me put me in a stranger like because then at that point you could revive anyone from the dead just put them into somebody's dead body you know yeah so yeah again what are the limits to this like amount of like necromancy she has and like is she able to put any soul into a body like Leonard? Because obviously, so far, she's only put souls back into their own bodies. Whereas we know with Leonard, he's putting random souls into new bodies. Does she have the power to do that too? So, again, just more questions. Well, you anticipated what's coming next. And um, 
it turns out at least we know about one of her limits, which we will find out about in a second. So you're very, your question is very astute. You predicted the next problem. Yes. Do, do you want me to t- say the problem now or is it for later? No, I think we're almost there. So, but I think we'll, we'll get there in chronological order because I think this book is already confusing enough. And if we start jumping ahead. Yes. Okay. But yes, like, I, I, that was a good question, but yes, you can keep going then. So then Shiloh gets questioned by the detectives and she lies. Well, Jonah lies about stealing the monocle and she lies about killing Leonard. And she basically lies about all the events of the day. And that's a super red flag, especially because she lies. If she goes with the story the cop that like the cop Connie, who is guilty, tells them other cops. And she's like, Well, Connie's a cop, like, you know, they're obviously not gonna tr- like they trust her and she came up with the story, so I should just go with that. Which like I mean, obviously, yeah, Connie's Nisha probably doesn't want an enemy, another enemy on the police force, but also like she did lie, and that's, you know, that felt like a really bad idea to me. So, remind me, was this, was she talking to the, she wasn't talking to the FBI, right? This is just the police. I can't remember. I think it was just the police. I think it was just the police, which this goes back to that her lying to the police is a red flag because it's going to come back to bite her for sure. But I understand why she did it because, again, if this is the police, the police is her dad. The police is also Connie. They bought Connie's story. Like, it's in, like, it's innate in her that she cannot trust them. So I understand why she would not want to tell the truth because even though she could argue self-defense, but, like, could she? Like, they could have it out to get her. And, like, she did kill him. Like, so that could just end up with her in jail. So. Yeah, no, I mean, I understand her. I understand her logic. I'm just saying, like, it feels like a Chekhov's gun that she lied to them. Like, I feel like that's going to come back. Oh, for sure. For sure. Especially because I don't think they bought her story anyway. But, like, I also understood her reasoning because she was saying how, like, they have no proof of, like, Connie being involved because, like, they broke into her house and kidnapped her and... Like, Connie obviously has no way of being tied to the things. Like, they can't draw into that. Obviously, Leonard is, like, a ghost. His body is gone. So, like, the idea of telling the truth... Well, also... Or even the partial truth isn't going to help them. Well, also, no one is going to believe them when they say, well, Connie's motivation is that this guy can can reincarnate people with the spirits of other people. Like... They'd all be like, you're crazy. So, like, she can't even tell them the real, the full, she can't even tell them the full story with the motives anyway, because they're going to be like, yeah, you're cuckoo. And so then Connie gives her an alibi, basically by, because she's giving herself one, like, she really has no choice. I mean. No, yeah, I definitely think. Or, like, I can understand why she feels she has no choice, because people obviously aren't going to believe her. Yeah, this is just, like, one of those, like, sucky moments where it's just, like, Either option, yeah, either option is gonna suck, and, like, I feel like her lying at least is buying her time, you know? Yeah. So I feel like it makes sense, but I do think, like, it's gonna come back, like, she might go to jail, who knows, but... I mean, with this book, it could be about the carceral state as well, like... (laughs) <laughs> like, I'm just saying, like, we've had literally Probably. everything happen in this book, so it could also be about our criminal justice system. I mean, definitely. Like, I, that, that'll be a lot for sure. The victims of the abuse get put to, sent to jail. Like, we're really making a commentary. Also, there's like, what if she kills her dad? I'd be all for that. I mean, he sucks. So, yeah. Not that we ever condone murder on this podcast, but, like, he probably I condone. It. I condone revenge murder for sure. Well, in books, in books, in books, clarifying that in books for sure. I mean, hello, Mo, Mo should have died from Incar. But he wasn't a bad Mo person. Died. He should have died. <laughs> he should have sacrificed himself. Would have redeemed his character. Gail, Gail should have died. I mean, there's. Yeah, Gail should have died, not Finnick. Death serves purpose in books. Okay. Well, anyway. So Shiloh also asks Miles if they can be together, and he's like, no, so they're definitely broken up now. Which, I'll say this made my heart happy because I wanted them to be over, and now that they're officially over, she can finally be with Jonah. I mean, they're meant to be together. Like, I love that Jonah calls Shiloh Scooby. Like, it's such a cute little nickname, especially because, like, 
it's the idea like that she's you know trying to solve the mystery i just think it's cute do you want to be called a dog it's it's not about her calling her a dog it's the idea that you know scooby and shaggy are best friends and it's like tying them together and like it's a cute little nickname that he's the only person who calls her that it's very much giving we're a couple i guess i guess and he's been calling her it for a while. Yeah, because she's excited and she's passionate. Um, also, fun fact, Frankie knows that Jonah likes Shiloh. She's like, I can tell you like her. And he's like, isn't that obvious? And then Shiloh is also blushing when, like, Frankie asks her about him. And so the spark is very, very much there between Jonah and Shiloh. Francesca is hilarious. Her chapter is great because she's like, I know Jonah wouldn't want like me to tell Shiloh, but I've got to know, is she interested? And then Shiloh is immediately like, once Francesca's like, what do you think of Jonah? She's like, does Jonah like me? Like, and Francesca's like, maybe, probably can't say. Can't say like, just great. But unfortunately, Shiloh's like too worried about miles, but anyway, the spark is there, but it's buried right now. It's buried under all of the stuff with Leonard. So back to Leonard. They've kind of figured out or decided that they think that Leonard is on a quest to recover the soul of Evangeline. Is that how you say that? No. That's how you say the name. Is that her name? I was like, it's been, I think that's what the name's char- the character's name. It's irrelevant, but let's say her name's Evangeline. That sounds about right. But anyway, this is the girl that back when he worked at the circus and how he used to kill the animals and bring them back to life, this was like the ringmaster's niece or something that he volunteered her to be a part of the act so that they could do it to a human. And basically he killed her and wasn't able to bring her back. So now he's searching for her soul and wants to bring her back to life, which is where there's like this idea that we kind of talked about at the end of the last book, how there's kind of holes that, like, connect the, like, real world to, like, where the ghosts are. And so, like, that is how you can, like, pull someone who's been dead for a long time. And also, like, you go through holes and, like, you end up somewhere else. And, like, there's other dimensions and it's all very confusing. But basically, he's looking for this soul. Who knows how he's going to find her? But they have decided that they're going to try to find these holes because they want to snoop on him and see if they can, like, destroy him basically and in order to get more information they track down this like freak show circus and end up speaking to one of his former colleagues who is a fortune teller or soothsayer that like knew him back whenever that was that he was in the circus like 50 years ago and so then she actually reveals that miles's body is and this is kind of gross is decaying like basically because he was without a soul for so long his body is basically sh- has already started the shutdown process. And so that's why like his eyes aren't working properly. And she says he like smells bad almost. Uh, okay. Which this was like, <laughs> like nasty. Like this is a horror movie. Well, because they talked about like, they said like, he can't blink. Like his eyes don't close on their own. Like he has to put eye drops, which that's disgusting. Can you imagine not being able to blink how dry your eyes would get? Like, that is making me cringe right now. Like, dry eyes is, like, the worst thing ever. Like, eyeballs in general are just gross. So, like, anything to do with eyeballs is, like, triggering for me. So, it's horrible in and of itself. And I think, like, Shiloh said, like, he had, like, red welts on his back. Probably from, like, just, like, what is it called? Rigor mortis. Like, it's probably setting in. Like, ew, he's a walking zombie corpse. That's disgusting. And she's still attracted to him? Throw him in the trash. That's nasty. And essentially, like, his body is shutting down. And the soothsayer is like, he's got, like, two weeks left to live. If he takes his bone marrow powder, which is super freaking sketchy, like, um. Yeah, it's like this super addictive drug that she has, like, a small supply of. And apparently that will slow it down. And at first I was like, um, why are we even considering buying it? This lady is clearly (laughs) full of crap. But, um. Well, because doesn't she give him a little bit? And then it works a little bit. And I was like, okay, fine. But maybe it's just aspirin. Maybe it's just aspirin. Maybe he just has a migraine and he is. I mean, I don't know. With his unblinking eyes. Charles, imagine talking to somebody who didn't (laughs) blink their eyes. They had to put eye drops in. Like, he'd go through so many eye drops. That's disgusting. Like, that's a nightmare right there. I mean, I agree. But 
I, I do think his body is decaying. Like, he said he's, like, feeling terrible and stuff like that. He might not be dying, but, like, like... Honestly, karma. <laughs> oh, my God. For what he said to Shiloh, my yeah. dad hits us. I'm so sorry that's happened to you. I've got to go to class. <laughs> karma. Karma. Okay. Well, also, it was interesting that the kids, they think that they can figure something out. They think, like, if they buy enough time, they can, like find another solution like did you do you think like if that's actually what's happening to him that they'll be able to find a solution absolutely not that was so ridiculous i mean miles is literally a dead man walking like literally and you know the sooner they all accept that the better i this whole part was ridiculous i was like miles needs to die right now like why are they even buying this stuff he's gonna die no matter what like they might as well just make his last few days comfortable and happy like he's dead yeah, I thought it was a little silly, too. I mean, obviously, like, I understand that they want to buy the stuff. Like, they, you know, they're his friends. They, like, they immediately think, like, we have to keep him. But I'm, like, they also, like, the way Shiloh says it, she's, like, you know, we'll keep him alive longer. That'll give us more time to figure out a solution. And I'm, like, I don't think that. What solution? Are you going to cast a magic spell on Also, like, like you I didn't know don't... he was dying until you spoke to this lady, like. You have you are so out of your depth, children. And also, I'm sorry, but like from the reader's perspective, I don't know how you feel about this, but like Miles is the least interesting out of the four of them. So like, if somebody has to die, I'm glad it's him. Well, also personally. he's the one that doesn't want to do it anymore. He's like, I don't really want to investigate anything. Like he's like, I. Well, because he's afraid of dying, which too bad, so sad. I mean, karma. I'm sorry. It's perfectly reasonable <laughs> to be afraid of dying, but it's also like. The rest of them are like, let's go for this, so. Well, yeah, so he's not serving towards the plot. Yeah. And also, like, if he's not going to have a relationship with Shiloh, he's just kind of, like, awkwardly there. Also, this feels like some an apt time to mention something I don't think we did or we kind of hinted at, is that, like, bringing people back to life ages Francesca. Like, we don't know exactly what the process is, but it seems to me like it's using up some of her life force. Like... So it's adding years to her life. I don't know yeah. if that's how it read to you, but that's what it seems like. That's why she's yeah. so tired every time she does it. She gets tired, and then they mention how, like, her hands are getting, like, wrinkly and, like, age spots, which, like, also, horror movie, disgusting. <laughs> Imagine a 15-year-old with old lady hands. That is nasty. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> every time I read the books, especially because I'm thinking about, like, how could this be made into, like, a movie or TV adaptation? This, I could not watch this. It's too scary like we've got man who can't blink lady with old hands like and then we've got jump scare ghosts it's too much horror for me but also the freaking psycho nurse who run, who runs the girl down with shears and is gonna try to stab her in the hospital i horror. mean not even to mention like the abuse like the chillingness like absolutely too much too much but no yeah this is what I mentioned earlier, though, about how this, if this, if her using her powers ages her, that limits her power, obviously. Like, it means that if she, you know, just uses everything, eventually she'll be, like, an old lady at, like, 16 or 17. So, that limits it. Whereas, like, as for right now, we have been given no limits on Leonard's power. So, I'm gonna need him to have something. Otherwise, how are they possibly gonna beat this villain if he's, like unbeatable yes i agree and this is kind of where i was talking about with my impression and i know asia said it too the reason i'm saying it is mine because when i took my notes for this this is obviously i didn't know what asia was going to say for her impression but mine is that like i feel like everything is a little bit too much like shiloh has suffered every type of abuse now she's just been put through a breakup now she might be in the love triangle miles as far as we know is a decaying zombie Francesca has powers, but we're not sure if they're safe to use. Also, she's suffering a bunch of abuse, too. Jonah now is going to make it even more complicated. And, like, that's a lot. Like, it just feels like we have everything but the kitchen sink in this story. And, like, now he's decided to promise his soul to Wilma's <laughs> orb in exchange for more of this maybe aspirin bone marrow. And... Like, that he got from a freaking fortune teller. And I'm not a fan of that. Like, 
obviously that choice, but also like it's too many elements. Like it's too many. It's also too many elements that like are, um, like ridiculous. Yes, I strongly agree with everything you said. Before I get into Jonah, though, I want to go back to even what you just said about like Shiloh and Francesca, and specifically Shiloh, like suffering all kinds of abuse, like literally every type of abuse that's out there, going through a breakup, losing her brother, thinking that he's dead. Now he's found her. Now Max doesn't even want to talk to her. We haven't even mentioned that. Max has been distant after she saved his life. And it's just, like, those kind of things where, like, you know, they talk about, like, the main character. You want to give them some, like, vices or, I don't know, that's not even the right. Flaws. You want to give them flaws. But also just, like, things that they've suffered that, like, makes it, like, they have room to grow. Like, nobody, usually you don't want to hear about the person who gotten everything. Like, there has to be conflict. So I understand having some things, but it feels like, I don't even know how this girl is still standing. Like, everything that she suffered through and she's, what, 15, 16 years old? Like, I can't even imagine going through all that and still being like, let's keep going with life. Like, it just seems like too much. Like, there's, it seems like there's no happiness, no light right now, which I know we're in the middle of the series, but it's just like, it's a lot. Like, and also she's like going to go on this like greater good quest to like take down a ghost. Like, like, I'm like, yeah. it seems like a lot and that's of... where, like, we saying, like, it's a lot, like, it's a lot going on in the series, like, this idea of the abuse, the ghosts, because, like, we've talked about comparing this a lot to The Lovely Bones, because that was also a very dark book that we covered on the show, and on The Lovely Bones, obviously what happens to her, the main character, I think her name is Susie or something, Yeah, it's, ve- it's very awful and everything, but, like, that does not define her, like, she had a really great family life, she loved her family generally she had good friends she had the crush on the boy like there were other things that were like okay these are the light whereas i feel like with shiloh especially i mean even francesca which i feel like francesca less so because francesca were getting like her first time having friends i feel like whereas shiloh she gets that a little bit and maybe we're gonna get that with like jonah but like right now everything just sucks for her and it's just hard to be like I don't know, it's just really hard for me to read this and be, like, rooting for her when I'm, like, well, something else is going to happen to, like, ruin her life as if everything hasn't already ruined it enough. It also just feels, like, a little unrealistic. Like, like if you'd been through all that, you wouldn't also be, like, like, I don't know, not saying that I want to think of myself as a selfish person, but I think if I'd been through all of that, I probably wouldn't go tracking down Leonard after I saved Max. Like... I mean, maybe I would. I mean, I guess I guess it makes sense in the sense of, like, she's been through all that, so the only way she's able to keep herself together is to be focused on a task, and right now her task is this ghost thing. So I guess that does make sense, but more so it's just, like, it's hard to, like, keep rooting for a character who's just constantly suffering. Like, it's just really depressing, I think is what it is. It's very depressing to read. So from, like, the reader's perspective, I think a lot of people she's read... She's getting very few wins. Yeah, she's getting very few wins, which is, like, we need something. We need some sort of win to, like, want to keep reading. Which, you know, maybe it's coming. Maybe it's literally the next chapter that we didn't read. So we can't completely judge. But that is how I feel so far about that. And, like, since you just said that. But going back to Jonah. (sighs) Yeah, Jonah here. This was so stupid. Oh, my God. So, so stupid. I hated this. Because, first of all, he's selling his soul, which she explains this fully to him. This means that forever, forever, like whatever that means, to the end of time, to the end of whatever there is, he's going to be stuck in this orb with this lady, then with somebody else. Whoever is in possession of this orb has control of his soul. They talk about how the souls are suffering in there. So he's committing himself to endless suffering, to not save Miles, no. To give him two more weeks of his zombie, non-blinking life sounds horrible. <laughs> Absolutely not worth it. Like Miles, but he is, says it's two. But he says it's two weeks to figure something out, and I'm but like, that is so. What makes un- you think that you'll be able to figure something out? If they like, figure something out, I feel like that is where like the book it becomes too unrealistic for me. Because as we know, or even if you're new here, I don't like fantasy. And I think what is turning me off from certain parts of this book is the diving into the fantastical stuff, which maybe Charles is enjoying it because Charles generally likes more fantasy stuff, but I feel like not because he doesn't like death and dark fantasy, I feel like. Like this, or probably how it's being presented. Yeah, 
I like magic. I and I like fantastical worlds. I don't like supernatural. Yes, which this is more supernatural. So I feel like again, what's being set up? So also because he does it. Jonah sells his soul. He cuts his hand, puts it on the orb. It's done. So our understanding is there's no way of getting out of that. So the only way that Miles can live and or Jonah can get out of this debt that he owes is there has to be some sort of magic, which, you know, when magic comes along, oh, I'm dead. I hate this. So I'm not looking forward to that. Otherwise, if magic isn't coming in to save these people, that means that Jonah's now just committed to endless suffering for no reason. And Miles is going to die no matter what. So either way, like this sounds horrible. For my perspective, at least, for reading. So, I did not like this at all. I thought it was horrible. I don't think it added anything to the story. I understood that the purpose was to show that Jonah is inherently actually a good person. And he does really care about Miles. And is, when it comes down to it, selfless. Because that was literally the most selfless thing you could have done. But... It was also stupid. But it's stupid because... Again, I'm a sucker for a happy ending. If we're going to see our characters just endlessly suffer, that is not entertaining. Like, there needs to be a light at the end of the tunnel. At least that's what I would want out of the book. And at this point, you know, the happy ending that I'm looking for is that Shiloh and Jonah end up together, which if he signed away his life, I want them to end up together in the afterlife as well, not just in life. Because, I mean, they could still stay together. But also, I feel like Jonah's going to die soon. I feel like... Like Charles said, the, like, Chekhov's gun thing, like, the fact that he signed this, like, he's going to die soon now, I feel like. Because it only happens when he dies. Yeah. It's, I, I just don't, the, also, the thing is, like you said, unless, if we're able to save Miles or able to save Jonah, one or both of them, that means we need another supernatural element that needs to be retroactively (laughs) explained. Like, we need another retcon to explain. Which I feel like the only way they can do that is if, because I feel like they cannot give Francesca any more powers. Like, she's already too much. So that means, I feel like if anything, they'd have to introduce another character. They have to introduce, like, a witch or wizard, and that is where you're going to lose me. That is where when, when somebody says, hi, I'm a witch or I'm a wizard, that is when I put the book down and I'm done. It's just... Because that is not what I signed up for. Yeah, that's what I mean. I'm like, I just feel like every other element we add, we're just getting a little more crazy every time. Um, okay. So, like, it's like I said, it's too chaotic, there's too many bad things. And then, if... And we also, like, you know, he's promised to the orb, which means whoever takes over the orb then takes over Jonah. And then Wilma promptly gets murdered. Like... Like, so now we don't even know who he's promised to. I mean, maybe Leonard has the freaking orb now. So that's twisted. <laughs> of course he does. Like. Because Leonard has limitless power and now he owns Jonah's soul. Like, it's just, it's too many elements, I think, to also like, I don't know. It, like I said, it just feels like the author had like every single creative idea and was like, you know what? I'm going to put each of them in. But, but. I'm going to introduce them chapter by chapter so that, you know, you're in suspense. But I'm not in suspense. I'm just waiting for an explanation. Yeah, that was definitely too much when literally pages after Jonah has signed away his soul, the person he signed his way his soul to is murdered. So now he doesn't even know who owns his soul anymore. I mean, maybe the simple solution is just to break the orb, but like... You know, we don't know that yet. Um, also, well, if that's a simple solution, that would also be sucky. Also, that part was like a little like again. I was a little confused by the writing because he's like, Jonah's like, Shiloh's like, I forgot my sweatshirt, and then Jonah's like, I'll that go back. That made no and, sense. It, like th- that like, made no sense. Also, when it was happening, I was like, wait, who's going back for the sweatshirt? Okay, I'm glad like, that how you the were just as confused as I was because I was like, Where? I thought Shiloh said she was going back at first. Like, Me too. Oh, I'll go grab it. And then I was like, oh, now Shiloh's going back. Maybe she's going to freaking sell her soul, too. And then Jonah <laughs> goes back, and then Shiloh's like, where's my sweatshirt? And he's like, she got freaking murdered. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I, But I was confused at first, too. I was like, who went back? 
Why did they go back? It was very Also, weird. on top of it, because then Shiloh's immediate thought is, while Jonah was the last person with her, like, she doesn't think that he murdered her, but, like, it could look like he murdered her, like, when people discover the body. Like, they were the last people seen with her. They're all, she already killed somebody, is worried about that. Like, just too much. But the only thing about her murder, though, is... It made me think about, because Charles, I think he's mentioned on the show before, he, like, read, like, 17 knitting murder mysteries, and Wilma is, like, knitting a sweater or something when they're talking to her, and how she was murdered, because, of course, it has to be the eyes, because, you know, just specifically to target me and gross me out. She stabbed in the eyes with knitting needles. Can you imagine? That's disgusting. Like, I wanted to puke on the floor. That's so nasty. <laughs> Eyeballs are so weird. Also, that and, wouldn't like, kill you. And, like, stabbed... Like, that would just well, torture you. Well, like, that's why, like, she had to be stabbed probably before. Oh, it like, did say her, her, her. her neck was throat. Was her slit. neck was throat. Her, her neck, neck was throat. throat. <laughs> we both said it. Her throat, her was, throat was slit. Her carotid artery was severed. No, her so artery. Yeah, yes. I said that correct this time. Her carotid artery was severed. But don't you think he probably stabbed in her eyes to blind her and From then the cut future. her throat? Yes. That's horrible. Not a way I'm going to die, that's for sure. Yeah, it was very gross. I didn't like How it are these children not having nightmares? Like, but I that's what I'm saying. Also, like, again. I mean, Shiloh said she has some nightmares, but I'm like, honestly, the amount of stuff they've gone through, like, they should be way more messed up at this point than they are. Well, I guess Jonah's the like, only one to see it. They're like, we're a zombie. Because then... He's a zombie. We're just going to keep going through life. I mean, I'd have nightmares about Miles Ugh, with the non-blinking eyes. <laughs> I can't. I'm sorry, but I would... Like, how does Paris not notice that, like, our son's a zombie now? Like, there's something wrong with him. Yeah. That's so gross. It is pretty gross. Ugh, God. Ugh, there's too many elements. But anyway, in, like your, said, in your knitting murder mystery, though, that's why I said that. Did anybody ever get stabbed in the eyes with knitting needles? I don't think it's anyone's so gotten stabbed in the eyes with knitting needles yet in any of my mysteries. Yet! It, I mean, it seems it's... like an obvious way to do, like, for a knitting murder mystery to, like, involve, like, stabbing someone with a needle. That being said, most of these craft murder mysteries, the crafters aren't the murderers. They just use their craft skills to solve the murders. <laughs> what? Um, though, in one... <laughs> One girl was dying yarn in the yarn shop, and her ex-lover comes and drowns her in the tub of blue dye, so her body's all stained. <laughs> sorry. They use their crafting skills okay. to solve the murder. Do you want me to explain, it's like, like, the last one like I read? It's like the knitting version of, like, the Scooby-Doo gang or whatever, the mystery machine. Well, do you want me to tell you how the last one, like, how it relates? So the last one I read, so I've actually read... I read one whole series that was 16 books and it turns out there's actually like a whole horticulture of like craft related murder mysteries. Like there's like multiple series. Like you can actually look up lists of series that of craft That sounds like series. the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. And the series I started so right that? now, my grandmother and I actually listened to them, like the audiobooks <laughs> when we were, when I was a child. Um, and I was like, I'm going to go back and re-listen to them. Because I only listened to one of them. I only listened to the Christmas special when I was a kid. When she was teaching me how to needlepoint, actually. But, so this series is 19 books. And the well, I just read the first book. And the one crafter, she gets murdered. But she, the reason she gets murdered is because she's doing a needlepoint canvas. And she makes one. And then someone commissions her to make another one of this needlepoint canvas. And so she goes into her records and she's like, I use this silk for this color and this silk for this color. And then she goes back to the museum to like look at the original piece that she was making a needlepoint of. And she sees the colors don't match. But she just made a piece based on this. So she realizes that someone has stolen the art piece that the, the, her canvas, her needlepoint was based off of. And so she goes to the museum curator and she's like, the colors don't match, but I just made something like two weeks ago based on this. So he realizes that she realizes that the piece in the gallery is fake. And he's the person who stole it because he's the museum curator. He has access to it. So he stole the valuable art. Spoiler and basically alert. she figures that out. Okay, the book came out in like 90s. So if that's a spoiler, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh my God. And so then he kills her. And then her sister basically figures all that same stuff out herself. 
So it's, um, like, her sister figures all that out, too. So they use their craft knowledge to solve murders. It's very wholesome. I'm sorry. But whoever wrote those, like, who was thinking, you know, for the demographic for who those books or audiobooks would be for is, you know what, like, because, you know, I feel like most people who knit, it's women and older women. You know what they want? Murder. Murder. <laughs> Murder and arts and crafts together. That is hilarious. I mean, you're the one who's always listening to true crime podcasts. Well, honestly, I would say it's probably a very wealthy Democrat, like a wealthy thing to do because people are very into true crime and stuff. Like, especially now, I don't know about back then, but it's a huge, huge market. But even now, I've never seen it combined with arts and crafts. I mean, yeah, it's. I think they're very wholesome because also like, because these are long I don't know series, if I'd ever describe murder as wholesome, but sure. Because they're long series, you really get to know the characters. Like, you spend so much time with them. And it's just kind of sweet. Like, they're just, like, crafting. And then they, you know, solve murders. Obviously, when the crafters commit the murders, those are the ones that hit home. But, like, <laughs> in the last series I read, like, the That's books follow, like, 15 years of her life. And she gets married. And she has kids. And, like, her friends it's all have kids. It's about the safe person yes and she's lived through 15 murders yeah well some of those were like triple homicides but yes okay okay nancy drew that's a lot yeah i mean like i said that one was in colorado and people got like pushed off of mountains people got like given illegal drugs at a party and what did it have to do with knitting? They were just always knitting in the background? Basically, the way that the knitting figures it, and it's not always knitting, it's, let's say, crafting, because I don't want to get, you know, feedback from crocheters being like, you ignored us. Um, but generally, the characters all congregate at a craft store. That's how they know each other. So that's how. But honestly, if the listeners want it, I will do a podcast reading Craft Murder Mysteries. It's so much fun. It's so much fun. Okay, well, enough of that tangent. Let's get back to this series. I mean, you're the one who asked. I was curious. Well, if that wasn't enough violence for you, Richie, which is Francesca's older brother, decides to break up with his girlfriend, which... Who are these characters again? We haven't... Last time we heard from Richie was when he was threatening the Shank Miles, who a character who they've never... For being gay. And they've never interacted, but okay. But anyway, so he breaks up with his girlfriend, and then his crazy girlfriend blames Francesca for this, even though Francesca and Richie don't even talk. And she hugs... Yeah, they basically don't even... Yeah. They don't even speak. But anyway, so his girlfriend, she hunts Francesca down... And they chase her, like, through the cornfields. And they're like, we're going to get you. It's her and her friend. And I'm just like, why is everyone so violent? Like, is this how people are in small towns? Like, I cannot imagine it being like this. Like, that because of whatever you thought, like, they're chasing her. Like, what were they going to do to her? Like, they grab her and they start beating her up. Like, are they going to murder her? Because they think that she made Richie break up with her? Like, just delusional like I don't know it just seems like totally I guess I don't know if I can say unrealistic but like I can't ever imagine something like that happening but like I wrote that down too I was like what do they think is gonna happen are they gonna kill her like like I can't imagine like I don't, I don't know. know I always un- I never understood that in high school even when people get into fights I'm like what are you gonna achieve by hitting someone like because unless you're trying to kill them what's the point and do you actually want to kill someone? Because I don't think you do. But I would say, so, like, that's, I would even say that's different. Because, like, in high school, like, the fights are, it's also about, like, the mob mentality. And, like, it's in front of a group. And people are cheering you on. This is, they hunted her down in the middle of the cornfield. Like, a horror movie. For what purpose? And are chasing her down <sighs> to do what? Like, I thought they were going to assault her. Like, I don't know what they're going to do. It's just very, like, I don't know. To any of the listeners out there that, like, maybe you grew up in, like, a smaller town. Because both Charles and I, we, like, we're in, like, suburbia or, like, Charles is more even city. But, like, 
I never experienced this. I never heard about something like this happening. Like, I feel like this happens sometimes. Yeah, if you have experience with this, please let us know. I feel like in movies and stuff, stuff like this happens when it's, like, smaller towns. There's more, also, like, more, like, in the country where there's more, like, open land where there would be, like, a cornfield for you to chase someone down in. Like, did you ever hear about this, like, growing up? Or, like, did this happen to you? Because to me, this just makes no sense. Like, I don't care how angry you are at somebody, unless you're a psychopath, you're not going to hunt someone down with your friend and be like, we're going to beat you to a pulp. Like, I just can't imagine being that mad at somebody, but also just like, this is a good idea. Like, those girls need to go to jail. They need to be arrested. Like, they're going to be freaking murderers. Like, I just don't understand. Like, these are also, these are children. These are teenagers. Yeah, like... Like, can you imagine, like, I'm mad at somebody, I'm going to hunt them down and beat them (laughs) up, like, to within an inch of their life? Like, I just can't even imagine, like, that thought process. And, like, this isn't even, like, you were like, oh, boys be boys. Like, this is women. Like, I just can't even imagine. Yeah. Yes, I just... I completely agree with you. I would love to hear if listeners have... I mean, obviously, I hope you've never had experiences where you've gotten hunted down by people, but... Or, like, um, yeah, hopefully that you haven't experienced it, but if you, like, heard about it happening, or, like... I mean, obviously, people every day go missing, and bad things happen to people, but I'm just curious, like... Because, I mean, I have watched a lot of, like, true crime and stuff, but this idea of, like, people from your school... I mean, I guess it does happen, but I just... I can't fathom, like, that thought process of, like, you have to be, like, crazy, to think like that, that, like, you're going to go and physically harm somebody. Also, the idea, because you think that as his little sister, he influenced him to, like, break up with you. Well, also, like, like that's not going to make him get back along. with you. Like, he's not going to want to get back to get. Like, if he's was so influenced by his little sister, you beating her up is not going to make him want you more. Like, it's going to seem like he was right to get rid of you. Like, I don't know. It just... Also, it was just so, like, her, the thought process was irrational slash didn't exist. It lit, it felt, you know what it really felt like? It felt like it was a device so that Francesca would be put into a moment of need, not with Leonard, where she oh, could discover sure. her spirit push powers. That's which, definitely what the point of the scene was. But again, it just, it's the same as the scene in the first book with Miles and Richie that it's like, these are characters that we've barely gotten interactions with that they shut up nowhere and they're extremely violent. And it's just like, is this how the town is? Like, is everybody hiding this very violent, like this extremely violent persona inside? Because to me, like a person that you've barely interacted with, I couldn't imagine them coming up to me and threatening my life for like doing nothing. Like that is where I feel like it's so jarring. Yes, I agree. But, yes, it serves the purpose of the plot because Francesca ends up discovering basically a kind of new power because I think it's it's Poppy. Somebody is with her. One of the ghosts is with her because they find her actually in the cemetery. She's in the cemetery talking to the ghosts there. They find her. They chase her into the cornfield. One of the ghosts comes with Francesca. And as they're beating her up, Francesca like, puts her hand on Poppy the ghost and, like, turns her into, like, a ball of light. Mm. <laughs> I'm sorry. She becomes, like, an airbender. I don't know. Just, and yes. she shoves. She becomes a spirit bender. She, sh- she shoves this ball of light into Tara. <laughs> I-, I don't know what their names are. The girlfriend. Alexandra. And she goes flying back by, like, ten feet. <laughs> So all of a sudden she's Captain America. Like, <laughs> it's very. I'm sorry. It's very Legend of Korra just, book two meets Captain America. That's a perfect description. I mean, it's just like. I mean, again, we're just getting sh- like we we said at the beginning. It's just a lot. So one, you're shocked because you're like, who is this again? Like, who is this character? Why are they beating oh, her? Oh, this up? character. This character is threatening her life, chasing her, and her friend is helping. What does the friend get out of this? And they're taunting her in the cornfield. Like, again, like, they're psychopaths. Then they start physically assaulting her and beating her up. And you're like, oh, my gosh, what is Francesca going to do? Because she has no one to save her. And, like, these are children. Like, they're going to murder her. Then out of nowhere, this ghost is, like, because the ghost is yelling at her to, like, fight back. Because one of the uh, kind of frustrating things about Francesca's character is she is kind of, like, 
she's Jesus, she turns the other cheek, she, like, wants to do no wrong, and I'm like, if somebody's beating you up, you need to fight back, like, I'm sorry, you need to throw a punch, you need to throw a kick, or they're gonna kill you, but anyway, so, the ghost is, like, yelling at her, and she gets angry, and again, she throws the ball of light at them, and so you're like, okay, we went from fighting, to now she has superpowers, (laughs) and then that's the end of the scene, so. And we don't know, does that age her, like, does she have, like, like, what are the limits of this power, like, it just, and then later when she tries to do it, like, with Shiloh, it doesn't work. And it's like, what the hell is going on Yeah, because Shiloh's like, can you move, because she's like, I think I can move things. And that is where, like, is it, I mean, again, it's like the idea of she has that power. She's got to learn how to maybe control it, harness it. Maybe she will eventually be able to do it on command. But, like, what is the cost going to be? Is it going to continue to age her? Again, this is where, like, yes, we're getting into, like, Wanda, like I feel like the Scarlet Witch now, like she's gonna be the most powerful Avenger. I just can't. This book series is a zombie, a trauma girl, a freaking Avenger, and then like ghosts, a rebel with a heart of gold, abuse, kidnapping. It's so much. It's so much. So, yeah, yeah. And we're not even done. There's still a little more. So then we get left with more drama because, okay, if that, I'm sorry, if that wasn't enough, they decide to go into this abandoned house because, like we said before, their theory is that Leonard is looking for holes to pull out that girl's soul. So they're like, we need to find holes. And they think holes are in, like, traditional, like, haunted places. So there's, like, this abandoned house where, like, people have parties where, like, there's probably ghosts there. So, like, there might be a hole in there. So they go into this creepy house, which, okay, here we are, back to a horror movie, only to get caught, because they're breaking and entering, by Shiloh's dad, who's back on the force. He's a police officer again. So jump scare right there. Not only that, and he's like, I'm not going to hurt you, then proceeds after all the other friends starts beating her up. Totally not believable, whatever. Beating her up, and she gets so angry that instead of fighting back, she starts punching her hand into a wall over and over again. I don't know, okay, did you get confused by this part? Because. Yes, it also well, actually, I don't clear. know if he was actually beating her. I can't remember. I feel like he was trying to grab her. I think he was just holding her, but she was trying to, like, shake yeah, okay. away. Yeah, okay, that makes more sense. So he didn't, like, just try to, like, beat her. He tries to grab her, basically, to, like, get her out of the house, to, like, physically remove her because she's not listening because he's, like, get in the car, which obviously there's no way she's going with him. And so then he physically tries to grab her, and I guess, like, as part of her fighting back, she, like, punches her hand in the wall, like, over and over and over again. And then who shows up out of nowhere? Jonah who, just going backtracking for a second, Shiloh, Jonah, and Francesca all entered the house. When Shiloh's dad showed up, she told Jonah and Francesca to run. They were all going to run, but Shiloh was, of course, left standing there. And her dad's like, Shiloh, because, you know, drama, they have to have a confrontation. Whatever. So Jonah comes back for her, and Shiloh's dad just, like, lets him go with her, and he, like, takes care of her hand. He, like, takes her to, like, his buddy's, like, restaurant so he can get her cleaned up. And there's, like, this tense scene in the bathroom where he's, like, wrapping her hand and they're... Oh, so sexual. Yes, so much sexual tension. I was like, give into it, give into it. And all... I mean, my favorite part was that Shiloh calls Jonah shaggy, like, in response to being to him calling her Scooby and that was like her fully final like accepting the nickname and like going along with it and he like gets this huge smile on his face when she does it and Shiloh like definitely knows now that like he probably has a crush on her but all she's thinking about is stupid Miles stupid dead zombie unblinking Miles about how she can't hurt him and I'm like girl He broke up with you. He said... Twice. Twice. And he said, I'm sorry that's happening to you. I have to go to class. To you being abused. And also, she even tells Jonah, because Jonah is like... He ends up asking because of a comment. I can't remember. I didn't write it down. But as 
Jonah's taking Shiloh away, her dad says something that's, like, definitely hinting at the... Oh, he says, I've already spoiled her. I've already spoiled her, which obviously hints at, trigger warning, the sexual abuse he's subjected to her to, which we won't go into detail about what happens, but he's obviously done more than just the, like, physical beatings, and... Because he made that comment in front of Jonah, Jonah ends up asking her, you know, did he do more than just, like, you know, physically abuse you? And she's like, yes. And so, like, Jonah, having the heart, like, to ask and, like, to be there and he's saying, like, that's horrible. Whereas, like, Miles, like, trauma, he ran away. Like, she shouldn't be worried about Miles' feelings when Miles was never worried about her feelings. All he cared about was himself. All he cares about now is, how am I going to live? You're already dead, Miles. Go die. So, I just want, if I can get anything from this series, I want Shiloh and Jonah to date, at least for a little bit. And honestly, like, Miles should be sad throughout that, because he rejected Shiloh. So, Shiloh doesn't owe him anything. I mean, yeah. I, I, I feel like she definitely, I feel like she is justified in moving on from Miles at this point. Like, I understand that she feels guilty, but, like, when she realizes that she likes Jonah, she should feel at liberty to go for it because Miles has literally said, bye, bro, twice to her. Yeah, it's not like she, like, after what happened, she even said, I still want to be with you. I want to be your girlfriend. No. And he was like, no, I can't do this. Yeah, he just said no. So I feel like she can really, um, yeah, I feel like she's totally justified in that. Okay. Especially when I feel like this is proving that, like, between her and, between Shiloh and Jonah, they're showing how selfless they are, whereas all Miles has continued to show is how selfish he is. Yes. And, like, he put, and at first you're thinking Miles is supposed to be this good person. Jonah says he's the best person ever. He took Jonah in as his friend, but when it comes down to it, Miles cares for himself, whereas Jonah cares for Miles, is literally selling his soul for him. Shiloh won't even let herself be happy with anyone else because she cares about Miles' feelings when he doesn't care about her at all. Yeah. Which just shows their soulmates. Uh, so any other thoughts you have? I have one that's completely unrelated to the plot that was like a weird 21st century cultural moment. But do you have any final thoughts that are for the book before we wrap it up? I don't think so, but the only thing I is the they whisper. I'm curious to see how that plays into, because we obviously got the they stay name drop. I mean, it was in the second half of the book, but... Yeah. I guess it's like talking about the ghosts and how they're closer. You can hear their whispers. I don't know. So when I say frosted tips, what do you think of? Um, early 2000s. Who do you think of? Justin Timberlake. Exactly, Justin Timberlake. <laughs> So that's, like, so obvious to me that, like, I think if you polled people on the street and you asked them now, Frosted Tips, who you think of, people, like, our age, they would all say Justin Timberlake, right? I mean, like, it's, like, so quintessential. And in this book, Shiloh sees someone and she's like, they have Frosted Tips like Guy Fieri. Is Guy Fieri the guy who wears, like, like, the flame shirts? Yes, he's the guy from Cooking, from Food Network, Guy Fieri. Diners, drive-ins, and dives, and guys, grocery games. Okay. He's a he's a Food Network personality, and I think he's very funny. But I think it's funny that this person, her cultural touchstone for Frosted Tips is Guy Fieri. I guess that makes sense because he's more current. But or he would have been like I don't think say that he's current. I think he's who she would have been watching when she was a kid, and or like who she and her peers would have been speaking about when she was a kid. Yeah. Whereas I think of the Frosted Tips thing as like purely like. In sync. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I just thought it was really entertaining. I had to pull that out. I was like, because if you ask anyone of our age or older, they would say Frosted Tips is Justin Timberlake. So I thought it was funny that her touchstone was Guy Fieri. Well, let us know, listeners, who you think of when you think of Frosted Tips. When you think tips. of Frosted Tips. <sighs> yeah. Okay. Well, I think that wraps it up uh we've covered the first half of they whisper we're going to read the second half for next week so if you read along go ahead and finish the book and as always if you have any predictions theories questions any of that 
Remember that you can stay in touch with us about anything on the Nerd Party website. You can head over to nerdparty.com slash contact and select throwback paperback. You can send us an email there and get in touch with the network on Twitter at joinnerdparty or on Instagram at thenerdparty or facebook.com slash thenerdparty. And to find me, I'm at asiabonia on TikTok and at asia.bonia on Instagram. And I'm at seashells on Instagram. Make sure that if you enjoy our show, you rate, review the podcast, share it with your friends. Of course, check out the other podcasts we have within the Nerd Party family and subscribe to our show so you don't miss us next week because, as you've said, as I mean, look at all the things we get to talk about on this book series. Yes, hit that subscribe button and have a good one. We'll see you next week. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.